Good morning. Everybody can hear me okay? I haven't done this in a while, so I, it's going to take me just a few minutes to kind of get the nervousness off. Just to uh, Anybody visiting today, anybody watching online or will be watching online, I just want to put this out here. I am not the pastor. I am Greg Dembowski. I'm a deacon here at the church, and I'm filling in for Pastor Michael, even though he's here today. Uh, he and Christy celebrated this past week, celebrated their 10-year wedding anniversary. Congratulations. Very nice. And it's a big milestone. And uh, I have been thinking about an idea to talk about here, and um, it just so happens um, judgment. That's kind of what I'm, I'm looking at. And if you look at your bulletin, it was kind of a little like set back a little bit on the back of the bulletin. It's like a whole page blank. I'm like, holy cow, I'm going to have to really kind of like do some spiel here to get some notes. Well, I did bring some notes, and I don't know if everybody picked up a copy of my notes. Bryce has got a copy of them to hand out. If you didn't get a copy of my pre-printed notes, just raise your hand. Bryce will bring you a copy. Uh, there's one up here, Bryce. Um, and that makes me feel a little better because I looked at that right off the bat and I'm like, oh no, that's a lot of notes. Anyways, before I get started, uh, I wanted to just open in prayer. And um, one more over there, Bryce? You're good? You need some? Okay. And one upstairs, Bryce. Okay, I'm going to open in prayer. So join me in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to bring your words of wisdom and just uh, help me to speak your truth and open hearts and uh, open the listening ears. And uh, Lord, I thank you again for your son Jesus and all that he's done. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, my, uh, my talk today, uh, just a disclaimer here, all my Bible verses are from the English Standard Version or the modern King James Version. That's where all my notes are come from. That's where all the verses are. And, um, of course, this is, I'm going to say this is as I see it. That's kind of like my disclaimer. So I'm going to stick with that. So that's, that's my disclaimer. Um, one thing that I was thinking about, too, probably another thing that probably why I'm a little bit nervous is the last time I did this, a uh, pastor had a sermon that was already kind of prepared, and I just kind of had to go through it and... It was kind of tough. I kind of had to say what he said without the way he said it. Anyways, um, but I didn't have the live, live stream, you know, so now I know I'm live stream. Um, can I say hi to Anna and Allison? Hi, Anna. Hi, Allison. Say hi to Kevin and Chris. Anyways, um, that's, uh, that's a lot of fun. Okay, anyways, judgment. The, uh, the three main definitions I'm discussing today are, number one, the ability to make considered decisions or come to a sensible conclusion. That sounds like common sense. Just make a decision. Number two, a formal decision given by a court. Some of us may be more familiar with that than others. Professional, you know. That's what I mean. Um, number three, a misfortune or calamity viewed as a divine punishment. And sometimes that's in Christian circles, when you bring up the word judgment, that's the first thing people say, fire and brimstone, you know, the book of Revelations, the final judgment. And sometimes as Christians, we get labeled as being judgmental. Anyways, synonyms for judgment, 
there's a ton of them. Uh, I'm not going to read all of them. A ruling, a decision, sentence, decree, wisdom, prudence, discernment, intelligence, and common sense. Common sense, i got to go on a note here on common sense. Common sense implies that it's common. Everyone knows it. Common sense. And sometimes we all know people and all know instances where we say the word, well, common sense would say that everyone would know this. I think we mislabel that because common sense implies that everyone knows this. And then when you run across a situation where obviously someone doesn't know it, maybe we should call it uncommon sense. Anyways, that's my little bunny trail there. Okay, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1.1. And on the sixth day, He created man and set him in the Garden of Eden. I love the book of Genesis. Every time I do this, I always seem to start from the book of Genesis. I just love the book of Genesis. So I had to kind of put that in there, and that's kind of where I started, the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. And then verse 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So, verse 17, God sets the standard. It's very clear. You shall not eat. And He also sets the judgment. Very clear you shall surely die. Adam had one job. You had one job. That's it. I didn't realize this until I was studying. Adam and Eve weren't actually cursed. They were judged. And from that judgment, we suffer to this day. The serpent, the cattle, animals of the field, and the ground were cursed as it's recorded in chapter 3 of Genesis. Genesis 3.14, And Jehovah God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than the cattle and more than every animal of the field. And in verse 17, And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Again, the standard is in verse 17. You shall not eat of it. And the judgment in verse 19, to dust you shall return. There's the standard. There's the judgment. You can't have judgment without the standard. If you don't have a standard, how do you judge? If the Olympics is, is uh, coming up here, and I, I always think of the diving Olympics, the high dive Olympics. You know, they would judge. And in the old days, the judges would hold up a card, you know, 7.6 or 9.5 or 10.0. Well, if there was no standard, I mean, I could go to the Olympics. Just jump off and do a big cannonball or something. Or I mean, who, who, how, who's to judge me, right? There's no standard. 
There has to be a standard. Whether it's a civil standard, a moral standard, a physical standard, there's a standard to judge by. Okay, there's other judgments in the book of Genesis, and I just want to kind of go over some of those. The worldwide flood, which was a, ju- a judgment against the wickedness of man. Genesis 6-7. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creepy things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I made them. It must have been pretty wicked for God to just say, man, I'm sorry. You know, um, Of course, you have the Tower of Babel. We've heard of the Tower of Babel. And uh, that's uh, the Tower of Babel. The judgment was because of the defiance of God's command to spread out as directed in chapter 9, verse 7. God said to spread out, to uh, inhabit the earth. And in Genesis eleven seven, God says, Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. And we know the rest of the story because they couldn't talk. The ones with the, uh, the same speech kind of band together and spread out into the world. Exodus, in the book of Exodus, chapters 7 through 12, that records the judgment of Egypt and the ten plagues which lead up to the uh, Exodus. As God tells Moses in Exodus chapter 7, verse 4, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. And we know there was the plagues and it just kept going and going until it just got so bad that finally they just said, here, get out, take all our stuff, go. And that was the Exodus. Um, the book of Judges. The book of Judges is full, filled with judging, judgment. Uh, it contains many accounts of God's judgment against Israel after they had arrived in the Promised Land and after the death of Joshua. Uh, if you remember... Moses led the Exodus. Joshua took over when Moses uh, couldn't go into the Promised Land. Joshua took him into the Promised Land and he got them started. And they were supposed to run out and conquer the Canaanites. And Joshua got them started. Well, then Joshua passed away. And the tribes of Israel failed to drive out the remaining Canaanites. And what they did is they slowly started to adopt and kind of blend in with the Canaanites. And the next thing you know, they're going against God's command and they got wrapped up in other worship and other gods and God in His judgment because of the standards He set, He allowed them to be conquered and oppressed by the Canaanites. And it got bad. And then Israel would cry out to God and God would hear their cry and He would raise up and empower a judge that would then lead Israel back up out of oppression and somewhat take back over the land and conquer some of the Canaanites, and then there'd be a time of peace and prosperity. And then unfortunately, because they didn't finish the job, they would slowly adopt the ways, and it just kept it was just a downhill spiral, and it was a cycle that kept going and going and going. Um couple of the judges, just to name a few, there was Gideon, there was Samson, there was Deborah. Uh, Unfortunately, Israel would slowly slip back into the Canaanite ways, sinning against God, 
starting the cycle all over again. In the same way, we, by self-judgment of our, in our own spiritual condition, of our own spiritual condition, and God's divine discipline and con- conviction, we're brought to repentance and restoration when we sin. Because when we become a Christian, it's not like, oh, we're a Christian now. We don't ever sin. Everything's good. The sun shines. We're Christians. We're human. We fail now and then. And we don't meet the standard, God's standard. Um, fortunately for us, God gave us a saving grace, which I'll, talk, I'll bring that up later. But in this cycle of life that we call, we are continually brought back uh, by God's divine discipline or uh, conviction. And fortunately, we're able to do that. We're able to come back. Whom Christ loves, He chastens. That's Revelations 3.19. As the book of Judges continues, the individual failings of the judges go from bad to worse. If you've ever read the book of Judges, the judges start out okay, but by the time you get to the last judge, by the end of the book, there's no regard for, for the God of Israel. They don't even know who they are. And the nation of Israel is no different than the Canaanites. The book ends with this verse, Judges 21-25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Israel needed rescuing. They needed someone to raise up, either another judge, or obviously this alludes to a king, which I think is a sense of foreshadowing of a corrupt world that needs a king to rescue it from its suffering. And I think that can apply to today. And that's exactly what God did through His Son, Jesus Christ. Romans 5.18 Therefore, as one trespass leads to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. The trespass was going against God's standard, and Adam did that in the beginning. The condemnation was the judgment for all men, and the act of righteousness was Christ's death on the cross. Romans 8.34, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. In a courtroom, judgment is based on the rule of law. Evidence, the testimony of witnesses, uh, sometimes they even take into account previous cases. And then through a jury or a judge, um, a judgment is made. Sometimes it's very involved. It goes on for weeks. We have all can probably think of examples of Judgments, high profile on TV, they go and they go and they go. Sometimes it's really quick. You were doing 65 and a 45. How do you plead? Guilty. Next. They're real quick. Once judgment is passed, it's too late to ask for mercy. I mean, you can, but it's judgment. You know, you're into sentencing, you're into the penalty phase. Um, you know, we allow in our court system the, the, the idea of appeal. But once judgment's passed, that's it. Matthew 5.25 Agree with your adversary quickly while you are in the way with him that the opponent not deliver you to the judge and the judge deliver you to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Because then it's too late. 
you're best to work things out before you ever get to the judge. And a lot of times, we kind of see that uh, as, oh, well, that's uncomfortable. I'll just, you know, we always want the, we want the quick way out. Unlike the court system, which is based on legislation and laws, our own personal judgment is shaped by positive and negative influences, experiences. It takes into account our education, our preferences, our prejudices, our likes, our dislikes, our health, our age, uh, our financial position, our faith. There's so much that come into what, what makes us, uh, what what influences our judgment. Anyways, with that, I have like a three-minute video that I would like to show. And it's, um, well, we'll show the three-minute video and then I'll come back here. You ready with the video? I should have given you more heads up, sorry. We're good. In my own journey, I've had the, you know, the chance to really grow and hopefully mature. And that's my wife, if I'm, if I'm maturing or not. But, uh, but there's been some times, and I'm, I'm, I'm really sad about this, that I actually looked at people like I was a little bit better than them. Now, I've been pretty fun-loving and uh, joyful, I guess, uh, since I was a since I was a kid. That's what my mom tells me. But uh, as I continue to learn more about Jesus, and you start to think, "Oh, I'm figuring this thing out." Somehow, some way, it crept in. Like Earl, since since you know this information, you're you're kind of a part of a an elite class, and. Honestly, I'm sad to even say that. I'm sad for any friends in high school or college that I may have, uh, I may have put off that air to, to any of them. Because I'm, I'm praying that, that my ignorance, okay, my pride did not paint a bad picture about who I think Jesus really is. And... If I could go back to any of those friends, I, I would I would apologize. I would I would honestly get on my hands and knees and tell them that I am I'm no I'm no better than any of them. I'm I'm a human being that is has discovered God loves him and is trying to make sense of all of that. And I still am broken and still am wounded in so many ways and still have made mistakes uh, and gone down different roads. And every, whether it was partying or pornography or whatever it was. And, and I like to sit here and say, since I, I, I found Jesus or Jesus found me when I was seven, my life has just been picture perfect. But it hasn't. It's been, it's been rocky and there's been ups and downs. And I foolishly. Man, um, started to think that I had it all together. So, so I wish I, I wish I could I wish I could say sorry to all of them. I wish I could wish I could give them a hug and and just have a conversation. Just talk about who 
who I think Jesus really is, and even me with my pride and my judgment, Jesus still, still loves me. So whatever they might be walking through or whatever they were going through, he still loves them. And let's, let's just talk. Let's just talk about that and what that means and maybe how I've hurt them or how others have hurt them and just see if we can, uh, we can start with a clean slate. I think it'd be good for all of us. It's very sobering. I mean, I, I'm guilty. And it's very sobering. Like I said before, as Christians, we all kind of give this idea that, you know, as you, you accept Christ and, and everything's hunky-dory and the sun shines, and, and it's, it's really not. Um, God gave us this ability to judge. I mean, He created us this way uh, to discern and to rule. And, and I go back to Genesis again. Genesis one twenty eight, And God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We're encouraged to make good decisions and judgments every day, being good stewards of the world around us with the time we're given. From the food we eat to the cars we drive, the clothes we wear, on and on. It just goes and goes you know, on and on and on. So, just a quick question. Who here this morning, getting ready to go to church, either asked yourself or asked somebody, hey, does this look okay? I mean, you know, I mean, we're, we're just, we want to make sure that, you know, we're, anyways. We're constantly choosing and making choices. And that's not a bad thing. However, Unlike an all-knowing God, sometimes our judgment is a bit hasty or even blurry, I call it. This is where we get into trouble. We make judgments based on incomplete information. We make the judgment before reading the book. The old judge the book by its cover syndrome. Okay, so here's a a question. I'm going to ask a question. You're going to think of a name or a word. But I don't want anybody to say it out loud. I don't want anybody to incriminate themselves. All right? Uh, For the young people, you might have to think something different. You're driving in traffic. Someone cuts you off. What's the name for that person? What do you call that person? I mean, they didn't just like sweep over. I mean, they cut you off, slammed on the brakes, turned left without a blinker, you know. I'll substitute my word for bad driver. Okay? Okay. All right. In all honesty, here's a gut check. In all honesty, have you ever cut anybody off? If if you've driven a car, you've cut somebody off. Okay, I found this gem in Romans 2.1. Therefore, you are without excuse, O man, everyone who judges, for in that in which you judge another, 
you condemn yourself. For you who judge do the same things. You are that word. You are bad driver. We, we, we instantly judge. We, we don't think about like, well, maybe his, maybe his dad just got in the hospital. Maybe, maybe he's totally, maybe he just got, you know, told he was going to have a, a terminal disease and he's just not paying attention. Um, you know, maybe his house is on fire and he's trying to get home. Of course, maybe he's a bad driver. I, you know, anyways, that's Luke 6.37 says, Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. It doesn't mean we don't judge at all. We're to judge fairly. We're to take into account all of the evidence, the situations, the motives. And a lot of times we can't see that. God is a fair judge because God sees all that. He sees our heart. He sees our motives. John 7.24 says, Do not judge according to sight, but judge righteous judgment. And again, that's the... Don't judge a book by its cover. Not only is God our Creator, our Provider, our Counselor, our Savior, God is also our Judge. In Psalm 50, verse 6, it says, And the heavens shall declare His righteousness, for God Himself is Judge. And in Isaiah 33, 22, it says, For Jehovah is our Judge, Jehovah is our Lawgiver, Jehovah is our King, He will save us. And as judge, He is fair and judges judges us to His standard completely. As lawgiver, He always sets the standard. He spells it out very clearly. He doesn't leave anything for granted. You know, you see these jokes where you see a political cartoon or something where it says, uh, where they'll make fun, like God will say something like, don't make me come down there. God clearly sets the standard. Here's the line. There's no gray area. This is it. This is what will happen. As king, he oversees all that there is. Everything. As in everything. And he provides salvation through his son Jesus. Who initially came to save us from our sin. In John 3.17, it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, initially, but in order that the world might be saved through him. John 12.47 says, And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him now. That's my verse now. For I do not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The book of Revelation tells of the second coming of Christ. It also spells out some significant judgments for those who do not recognize Jesus for who he is, and what he did at the cross as the Son of the living God. And I'm just going to highlight some of the uh, judgments that are recorded in the book of Revelation. Pastor's got a a theme coming up here in the fall on the book of Revelation, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Anyways, uh, you have the tribulation, which is the judgment against the wicked. Revelation 5.5 One of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And it's interesting, the first four seals of those seven seals are the four horsemen. uh, White, red, black, and pale. Which, that's further discussion. Um, Then there's the judgment seat of Christ. 
which is, judge, which is the judging of Christians for their faithfulness in Christian service. This is not a sin judgment, as Jesus paid the price already, but just judging the Christians for what they did while being a Christian here on earth. 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Um, There's going to be the judgment of the nations, according to their treatment of Israel during the tribulation. Matthew 25, verse 31 and 32, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The judgment of the nations. And then, there's the great white throne judgment. The final judgment of unbelievers. I guess that would be the judgment that everybody would think about, like fire and brimstone. Uh, Revelations 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and Him who was seated on it. From His presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. In verse 15 it says, And if anyone was not found having been written in the book of life, he was cast into the lake of fire. Several, several Bible verses point to the standard for this judgment, cast into the lake of fire. And some of you might recognize this. Kind of, it kind of mimics the, uh, the Roman road, the Romans road. Uh, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8, But God shows His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. A king saving His people. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Without judgment, there would be no grace. And if there was no grace, then what's the point? We're just all here floating in space. Accepting Jesus as your Savior or Redeemer, believing Him for who He is and what He did, is a spiritual rebirth. John 3.3, Jesus answered him, saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In review, God intended from the start to have a relationship with man. For man to be self-governed, to judge accordingly. However, man slipped up and missed the mark. And that's when he came under the judgment of God. Because of his love for us, God sent his son Jesus, who took the judgment and paid the price for our sin with his death on the cross. In his infinite grace, God provided a way out of this condemnation. Romans 10.9 spells this out. The way out. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. Pretty straightforward. It's your call. You be the judge. I would encourage you to contact Pastor Michael, or myself, or any of the other deacons here today. Um, Let us know if you've made that decision, or if you have questions about it. And, of course, if you're not in person, 
You can send an email or send mail. Um, send us a note. The address for the church is on the website, and the website is fbcelba.net. And before we close, the praise team's going to do one more song. All right, we would just like to sing together um, as we come to a close today uh, the song, The Blessing. So if you'd stand with us.
Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Join me in prayer as we close. Father, I thank you so much again for this glorious day. And Lord, we just pray for this uh, upcoming VBS week that you bless those that serve, bless those that come and just keep everyone safe, and uh, just that your words of wisdom will be spread, and little hearts will be open. We praise you and give you glory. Thank you for your Son. In his name, amen.